Okay, we're going to start on page Memhe. Okay, Parshas by Yishla, page Memhe. And we'll, we will start with the um, mimer on the bottom right, Virashi. Al Hapasuk Imlovangarti. Yaakov sends some messengers over to Esav and one of the phrases that they say is in the name of Yaakov, Im Lovan Garti. I lived with Lovan. And Rashi brings down a Chazal, the Taryag Mitzvah Shamarti. And I still kept all of the 613 mitzvahs. Even though I had to deal with Lovan and all of his trickery and his difficulty. And, but nonetheless, I kept all of the 613 mitzvahs and the word Garti, I live, is the same letters as Taryag, 613. That's, that's how the Drasha comes out. Huderach Remis. That is a hint to a deeper meaning. Yes, Mark? Okay, this brings up an interesting question because part of the uh, mitzvahs had to do with the existence. Well, we didn't even have the Mishkan at that point. Correct, right. So how was uh, living in a household such as Laban, who was very evil and Russia and all that, how was he able to come do the Kabonis and everything without being sidetracked, if you know what I mean? Well, it could be that the mitzvahs were performed in a, in a different form at that time. Like just for example, it says if you learn about the Korban, it's as if you brought the Korban. So he may not have done the mitzvahs as we would recognize them, but in some form he did the 613 mitzvahs. Okay. Um, That's a remiss. Yes, David? Um, wouldn't he be angry? Who love it? No, it's fine. Wouldn't he be angry with Lovin for all the stuff that went on? Yeah, and would, he was. <laughs> and wouldn't that be um, like affect his ability to do mitzvah? You you would think, right? But Yaakov is a very great man, and similar to what we saw last week, that Yaakov Avinu was able to um, was able to express his anger in a way which was, I would say, the same Shemayim. He knew when to express it, when not to express it. And apparently he, he had mastered that within himself. But even though he was living with enormous adversity and freezing and weather and heat and all the different tricks Levin tried to pull on him, but he, he was able to maintain his own balance and fulfill the Taryag Mitzvahs. So, Something that none of us could do. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't think so. <laughs> it's like I wouldn't think so. What's that, Andrew? Well, there's a story about Rav Moshe Feinstein, right. who Adi was just sharing yes. about about how he was being picked up at some sort of event, and you know they were they were they walking out the door and getting into the car, and you know somebody opened the door and closed the door behind him, and then the the car drove for about a hundred yards, and he said stop. They stopped the car. He opened the door and took his hand out from where it had been closed in the door. Right. And whoever is Gabi, whoever was there with him, said, Rob, how come you didn't say something? And he said, and embarrassed that poor Yid who closed the door on my hand, how could I do that? And so it just speaks to like the level of self-control that a person can have, that it can be such an insult to his physical form or emotionally or whatever it is. Or really hurt. And, <laughs> and, and contain it for a higher purpose. Yeah. Very good. So that's, that's Yaakov Avinu. So he points out here that on the surface, what did he say to, what was the message to Esav on the surface? Im Lovan Garti. I've been with Lovan these number of years. What was he saying beneath the surface? 
Tariyag Mitzvah Shamarit got kept at 613 Mitzvah. So two things going on at the same time. One of the questions I've always had kind of in the background of this, going all the way in the background, is why would Asaph care? He's going to explain what he means by this. Okay, yeah, because I don't see He doesn't. He doesn't care. <laughs> no. So, Vayihi li shor Then, once again, Yaakov says, and I have a lot of oxen and a lot of donkeys. Zehu bepashtus. This, again, is referring to the superficial message that Yaakov is giving to Esau. Umari chakosis. And the Torah then goes to some length. The Indian Ashirus regarding the wealth that Yaakov Avinu had attained in Lavan's house. Sheim Yirtza So therefore, he's saying Yaakov is focusing on the external, that if Esav does have in mind to hurt him or to harm him, Yoria Rak Lahono, he will harm only his wealth and his externality. Not the things that pertain to his soul, to his spirit, to his true avodas Hashem. All right, so he says, I was with Lavan, and you think you're bad. You should have been there for 20 <laughs> years, not hung on to everything. Right. So, and if Esav wants to, so to speak, attack him, so let, let him attack my Gashmias. Yeah. So Yaakov is keeping his Ruchnias protected. Underneath the surface, he is referring to the Tariyag Mitzvos that he kept. And Esav has no access to that. He's sending him these gifts. If Esav is going to do battle, or so let him do battle with the visible, with the external. V'chein, similarly, B'kesh David HaMelech Olav HaShalom. David HaMelech had a similar request. And so we say this every week, if not more often, in Mizmar Ladavid, Hashem Romi Lo'Efzer. Taruch lefanai shulcha neged sorerai. David Hamelach says this phrase: "Set before me a table in the presence of my of my enemies, of my adversaries." What is he saying? Set my table in the presence of my adversaries. What does it mean? What is this bakasha? Shayabitu hatsorerim rak al shulchan haashirus. David Hamelach is asking Hashem, "Let my enemies focus only on my wealth." on my physical success. They want to attack that, go ahead. And then my real person, my inner person, those things that I'm not revealing to my enemies, who I really am, that's going to be outside of their reach. So um, so set a table in front of my enemies. They want to hurt me, let them hurt my table, my silverware, my china. Let them go after that. My panemius, no, that that stays within me. Shalo yishlot ayin harabazeh. So that no ayin hora should be able to rest or cast any authority on the inner human being. Now he takes that one more step. Mechain, likewise. Yesh lutzadik hador. For the great tzadik in each generation, you have inyan hanikr lakol. Something which is recognizable to all. People look at this great person and they say, this is who he is and this is what he does. What he does, that's his greatness. He says, however... That's not really the true possession of that tzaddik. Rak hatamun Who he really is, is hidden away. Just between him and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Rabbi Tversky Zafan used to talk about this concept a lot. That a person's real relationship with God is supposed to be private. And those external things that we do, that we share with each other in the mitzvahs that are 
uh, overt that we can all see. That's on the surface. That's part of Klai Yisrael and Achdus and Klai Yisrael. But the inner person and the inner relationship with Hashem, that's between a person and a God. And that's also an, another further understanding of the concept of Tznius. That it's not just covering one's body, it's covering that which is precious to us and holding that very privately between God and us. There's another Maestro which I heard once many years ago in Eretz Yisrael um, from a man named Rabbi um, Herman. Rabbi Herman who was a, uh, a Magid Shir, maybe he was the Rosh Hashiva in Rabbi Bullman's community as a friend of up in uh, Mingdal Emek. So he said the story that one day uh, a great Sadi came into a town and he said, he gives a clap and show, and he announces that he is going to be Megala two of the Lamed Vav Sadiqim. He's going to reveal two of the 36 hidden Sadiqim. So of course, everybody comes to Shul. <laughs> and they want to hear who the Lamed Vavniks are. So everybody's in Shul, they're waiting with bated breath, and he says the name of the two, one, one I'm sorry, I don't remember, and the second one he says is the Magid of Kajnitz. The Kajnitz or Magid is one of the Lamed Vav Sadiqim. So everybody says, for this you had to gather us? Everybody knows the Kajnitz or Magid is so great. He's a Tzaddik, he's a Kaddish. We all, we all know he's one of the Lamed Vav Sadiqim. So the Tzaddik answered them, he says, what you see about the Kajnitz or Magid is not what makes him one of the Lamed Vav Sadiqim. What you think makes him a Lamed Vavnik, that's just a little tip of who he really is. The reason he's one of the Lamed Vavniks is for all the things that you don't see, that you don't know, know, know about. And that's really this message, that Yaakov Avinu was keeping the things that are truly dear between him uh, and Hashem very private, so no one could, no one could harm it and no one could, could touch it. You can have a personal relationship with God and not be a nice person. You can do terrible things. Well, you, you could, but if one is living in that respect a certain contradictory lifestyle, I mean, God is not pleased with what that person is doing. But that person could still feel a storm relationship. Feel? Yeah, sure, you, you could feel it. But God is not pleased with what that person is doing. It's like the Gemara says about Aganif. You know, Aganif is tunneling into somebody's house, and he's praying to Hashem that he should be successful on his right. mission, right? <laughs> uh, please help me, God, in my in my task of, of Geneva, of stealing. So everybody, everybody has the right to relationship with God, but that doesn't mean that God is pleased with those parts of their behavior that are against God's will. Whereas what he's saying on that this person, this great person, is completely consistent in his Avodah Hashem across the board some of it is external and everybody can see it and some of it is internal and nobody can see it that's just between him and God yes Andrew well I'm just reflecting on a conversation I had or, or a debate I was witnessing recently um, and one of the things that came up was the notion of um, people who are sharing really deep Paninius Torah over the ages and who have died really young and you probably know who they are you know in, in our time in previous generations and and I, it almost seems to be connected to this in a way perhaps 
this notion that you know they they were sharing in a public space in their writings just really profound deep secrets of Torah and so did and um, and I wonder if, if this is another little pearl or idea that expresses how well actually no we don't do that well this forum Hakadoshim that that we're, we speak about this they do acknowledge that there is a danger in being Megala Sodos in revealing secrets of the Torah, that that's a dangerous thing to do. And the person could subject themselves to harm if they do that. Um, at the same time, there are different stages in history where some of our greatest people wrote about things that prior to that were not, like the Ariyar Kaddish and uh, Rabbi Shon Bayochai in his time, his Talmudim wrote the Zohar Kaddish. So, what you have there is they're writing the secrets, but they're hiding the secrets. And the, the real secrets are not written down. They, they're hinted to in the words and in the combinations of letters and in ideas. So they're there and they're not there. A person could pick up the Zohar and read the whole thing and understand every single word in terms of its translation and still not know the secret Satara, the Soto Satara. Because the sodas are concealed within those paragraphs, and those can only be understood by people at a certain level of ruthness. So you write it, and you don't write it, and even so, you know, even that being said, you still still have to be careful. And there were tzaddikim who who said things like that that they that they knew to say such a thing, to write such a thing, even writing it bederach remis, even writing it in a manner where it was just alluded to would present a certain danger, a danger for them. Is that why the Rambam music goes the way he does, which is those who know sure. will, the Rambam writes, will understand. Right? In his Hakdama, that yeah. he's going to be saying a lot of things that are Sotos HaTorah that don't try and understand, because he doesn't, right? Hamevin Yavin, Hamaskal Yavin. And so he's writing about it, he's alluding to it, but, but also he's not. It's kept hidden. Yes, Mark. Well, here's a question I want to ask. I thought that... Um, as far as with the Goyim, they have their own set of principles, you know, for right. all that. Well, I noticed from my observation that a lot of Goyim are more than getting actually are looking to the Kabbalah and all this direction. I won't mention names, but it's all well, external. It's, it's, all it's external. not. It's not truly the study of Kabbalah. That's all. Uh, Obviously, it's all just uh, either a distortion of it. And oh, okay. a, lot, a lot of it truly is a distortion, or it's just uh, you know dabbling on the surface. It's not. It's not truly the learning of Kabbalah that they're doing. They think they are, but that's just an ego oh, trip. I see. Yeah. Okay, let's take a look at the next one. Isa um, B'midrash, page also page Mem left column, second paragraph. Habechir Shabbatos B'nevim Hivticho Hakadosh Baruch Hu V'nisiare. Right, so this question is raised by perhaps almost all of them before Shem. Before Yaakov meets Esav, it says Yaakov is afraid. And the question is, how could he be afraid? Hashem told him he's going to watch over him, he's going to protect him. How could he be afraid? So here, the Midrash itself asks this question. The most select of the others, Yaakov is called the Bechir. And of all the prophets, God makes him a promise, Vinisiore, and he's afraid? How could that be? Valyadeh, Shehevin Yaakov Avinu Alavashala, Shaalpi Darko Hubasakana. He said Yaakov Avinu understood that according 
to his derech, according to his way, he would be in danger. Even though he was most certainly trusting and secure with God, but his secure trust in God did not promote him to make a change in his mannerisms, so to speak. And he said, I still have to do my part, which is what? A Jew has to daven in a time of danger. So the way he's looking at it is this, that Yaakov Avinu was not afraid. Hashem promised him. But he has to go about life like everybody goes about life. And you're about to confront an army which vastly outnumbers you. So what do people do in, in, in those times? They become afraid. So Yaakov has to go along with that. That's what people do. He had complete faith in God. But at the same time, what does a person have to do when they're in trouble? They have to daven. And that's how he understands that. There are many views of the Mephorshim. Rashi says that Yaakov Avinu was afraid maybe he sinned and therefore his protection would be, uh, he'd be vulnerable. Maybe his zechuyos would have been used up by previous things and that would leave him vulnerable. So even though Hashem promised him, but Yaakov thought, okay, that's when I'm existing on a certain level. But if I've dipped below that level, maybe that havtacha doesn't apply. Others say that Yaakov was concerned about his family perishing because when Hashem said to him that I'll be with you, maybe you meant you. <laughs> and it didn't mean you, your family, it just meant you, you. So therefore, he's concerned about his wife and his children because he doesn't know the true uh, breadth of that nevuah. Who does that really apply to? So those are some of the, the before she had Torah presented in that way. But he has, a, he has a different view. Hitaka wasn't afraid. But he had to act as if he was because that's what people do when they're in a time of danger. Yes, Abba? Well, no, I was just, it was because it's a beautiful thought that if you take that the Avos always set things up for us by yes. their actions, right. then he was setting this up. This right. is a normal mode. Because otherwise you could say, well, Yaakov wasn't afraid and this huge army was coming at him. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with me because I am afraid. Right. My, my, the Taka must be worse or lower than right. than possible. And it should be. And it should be. And then it says, even Yaakov says, I'm afraid. Right. right. And that really helps <laughs> us yeah, in later helps Doris. Us. That helps us in later Very Doris. nice thought. Yes, Andrew. I'm just wondering. Please. He uses this um, Hitpalel version of yes. this verb, and, um, which suggests kind of reflexive. He made himself afraid. And is that what's in the Chumash as well? Uh, where you're saying Venis Yorei? Yeah. Very good. It yeah. looks like that's the Lushen of the Midrash. Uh, the Chumash says Vayira. Okay. Not, not the Hispoel. Okay. But he was afraid. But yeah, Venis Yorei, it's a very good idea that you're making. Yeah. That he, he made himself be that way so he could dive in to be safe from that. Very good point. It's a good deal, especially in the context of this mimer. Yeah. It tells us something about prayer, prayer too. I mean, I mean, we know of Yaakov as the one who built the house. I mean, maybe not talk about that. Um, he built the house to make prayer in relation to God accessible on the roof of the mountain. And, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and, and, um, and it's almost like he's telling us, look, if you really want to dive in, you need to be afraid. You need to make yourself afraid if you're not. Yeah, which I certainly don't do regularly enough. I mean, I He's going to say a little bit of a similar thought to that in the next mimer about about putting oneself in that position of huh. wanting to die. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, Chaim Flynn? Um, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, <coughs> the um, the spelling of 
by Yera has two yud. When he was afraid? Yeah. By Yera? By Yera. By has two yud. There's two, oh, two okay. words there that describe his fear. By Yera? No, I'm sorry, you're right. Vayira has two yuds and Vayetzerlo has one yud. No, you're correct. Okay. Is that an unusual spell? Yes, it is. Okay. And that could also be uh, the same thing that Andrew is referring to about making himself afraid. Okay. That double yud there. I have to look at the Mephorshim and see what they say about it, but it's not the typical spelling. It's some other grammatical form, really. It should be Vav Yud Resh Aleph. And maybe... There's a thing about, is it saying he was afraid, he was afraid of the Rabbanu Shalom? Was he afraid of the confrontation? Huh. Um, so. Yeah, or, or of his own averis, whatever, however yeah. subtle they were. Right. Are there any, not to be a chassar between him and the Rabbanu Shalom? Right. Right, right. Suggest that maybe Esau had some schuyos that uh, that would lead Yaakov even with his schuyos to consider that he was facing someone equal in in, in uh, You know, I haven't seen that, but it's an interesting thought because of Esau's koach and kibbutz. You know, like you saw, even Og had a little bit of the zefus when Moshe Rabbeinu was about to fight Og. That's a little concerned in that he had told Abraham Avinu that Lot was taken refuge. And that, sorry, Lot was taken captive, you know, many, many centuries earlier. So um, there's a little bit of Zephus that Og has, and certainly Esau appears to have more than that because of his mitzvah in Kibbutz, and maybe that was Yaakov's concern. Also, Yaakov had Zephusim uh, us would look great because of where we're standing, but from his, from the perspective of Tzadik at his level, they may not have seemed so much, whereas Asab, that even though he had fewer skuyos, from his level, they were pretty great because he was such a... Like relative to the person, you mean? Yeah, so, uh, so it might have ended up being an equal fight in that on that, uh, on that level. Yeah. A person always has to be careful never to in any way um, not take a, an enemy seriously no, no matter how it might you know, seem on the surface. It also strikes me the notion that, that when, we, um, when we actually do battle with someone we are at risk of becoming like them and, uh, and maybe he knew that and maybe he knew that that yeah. kind of conflict with Esau, who he has a connection with, could potentially change him. Right. Well, that's what's brought down. He was concerned that maybe he would be killed, maybe he would kill others. Show me your horeg, show me your agafeiri. And uh, but also, you know, one has to be careful for that too. There's a certain shmira that Kal Yisrael has in battle, uh, because when we went to battle, it was a mitzvah. So the mitzvah of Muhammad protected us uh, from descending into the God forbid, the lower rungs of morality during warfare. And plus the way we kept our camp and the cleanliness and the kedusha of the camp as well. Pat? Um, I don't know how to approach the question. They make a statement. 
think there's a, a, a struggle about wanting to, when, when the time comes to face our death or to face whatever rough times, um, um, I know for, my, for myself, part of me is like, you know, this will be for the good, it's, it's really okay. And another part of me is going, <coughs> and, um, um, and you know, kind of my secret wish that I would like be above, you know, being, uh, having fear of being, feeling terror about something really doing damage. I'd like to be in, in that in that uh, frame of mind, mm -hmm. but that's such a hard, I mean, uh, I think that's probably the hardest, it is. hardest thing to yeah. do. On the one hand, I can, um, with the, the Shoah, <coughs> excuse me, it's, it's possible to, um, um, to believe that Hashem is always with me, um, but we know that doesn't necessarily mean um, with with me that he's going to make sure I live. Right. The the betachan is whether I live or whether right. I die. Right. I trust in Hashem. Right. right. And there's part of me, an inbuilt human part of me, that is built to survive right. and to see not, I mean, surviving right. in this plane. Right. It's built in um, that resistance to it until it's inevitable or it's just happened. Right. And then to. Right, which should be, because we have to have self-preservation and the high bohem where we're, we're supposed to live our life until literally the last second and not before that. So that, that part of it is, I think, good and it's in place. But at the same time, that, that preparedness that when that time should come after 120 years, that one gives over their, that part of their life which is leaving this world to Hashem as well. And maybe that's the combination of Yira, um, and that Yira on the one hand is fear, and the other hand is uh, awesomeness. Mm -hmm. That the front part of it, as we approach a danger, is we get in touch with the, oh no. Um, and then if we have to go through it, either we survive or don't survive, then we go through that to the year of the awesomeness of the um, Rabbana Shalom is here because he saved me, or the Rabbana Shalom is here because now I'm not alive and I see the only thing that really does exist is the Rabbana Shalom. And maybe that's yeah. why the double yud for my year. Yeah. Nice life. Very nice life. Martin, this brings up an interesting question. Yeah. At this point, is uh, both the Esau and Yitzhak's uh, is Yitzhak still alive at this point, or oh, he's not? Yitzhak Avinu is still alive, yeah. Well, my question would have been, I, when they had the conflict, Esau is coming with 400 men mm -hmm. and all this. We never hear, read about Yitzhak being installed or being there to no. see. What, why is that? Well, because Yitzhak is in Eretz Yisrael. This is happening outside of Eretz Yisrael. Uh -huh. And as long as Yaakov Avinu is outside of Eretz Yisrael, um, then to an extent, the Shmira that Yitzhak offers for him is not the same. Esav is not as concerned about Yitzhak outside of the land of Israel. Well, yeah, and that's where this confrontation is, occur is occurring. Okay. Yes, Abel? Well, I had a similar thought to Howard. Yeah? You know, about the two Yuds. The, the two Yuds stood for protection. That 
God is with us no matter which end of what Howard is saying is happening to us. And the one thing that we that we need to remember with those two years is what God's protection is also God's kindness. Because there's mm -hmm. a kindness, a holiness type of kindness that comes from either end of that perspective mm -hmm. that Howard was talking about. Right. Also very good. Important insight. Okay. Got time for one more? Yeah, let's mm -hmm. take one more. I have two marked, so let me choose between the two which one I'm going to do. Oh, only got one marked. I made it easy. Okay. Vayet Serlo, same page, Memhe. Very last mimer at bottom left. And he was afraid. Hagam Shehifticho HaKadosh Baruch Even though Hashem did promise him, nonetheless Yaakov was afraid. Ra. Yaakov Ratzalihiyos Nosha Mitzad Hatfila. Yaakov Avinu preferred to be saved as a result of davening. Shabazeh Yeshaychus Adam Bezu HaYeshua. Because that kind of being saved, he has a little bit of a hand in it. It's part of the human effort. The Lom Mitzad Havtochas Hanes, and not as any result of a miracle. So as always, the tzaddikim don't want to rely on miracles. They, want, they don't want to be saved in things that are above the order of nature. They want things to be done in a manner of bechira and the hishtadlus of a human being because that's the greatest thing a person can do is achieve something through choice. So even though Yaakov was promised by Hashem to be saved and he knew that he would be, but that meant no matter what, even Badera Hanes. And Yaakov preferred to, to attempt to be saved through tefillah than he did through Hanes. I think really is a turnaround for most people, right? Like, give me the miracle, man, you know? <laughs> Just give me the miracle, save, save me, you know? Well, right. <laughs> right. And Yaakov is, no, like, not, 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 I don't, I don't want the Nes if I don't have to. If we can do this through Tefillah, through Avoda, through working. That, that's how I like the Yeshua to come. But it's kind of fascinating because when we come to the sea, when we're leaving Mitzrayim, yes. God says, stop talking. Right, move. move. Right, right. Let me do my show. It's, right. it's ready to go. Right. So I guess you have to hear that from Hashem, right? Yeah, like, I guess so. Maybe that's although it. you still have the Hishtad the sir, because they had to walk, right? they had to move forward. They had to step forward, right. And then God would, so to speak, do it. But it's interesting, you just, <laughs> you just focused on uh, Tefillah here because Yaakov did everything in the physical realm. He right. Could. Yeah, right, like Rashi brings. Camps and mm -hmm. he, he, did he does a lot of things, a lot of strategy. He sent uh, gifts forward. He sent gifts. He right. tried everything in the physical realm. Right, but, but you're correct. He does focus here on the tefillah part of it. How come Yosef is criticizing for, criticized when he asked the, uh, uh, one of the sar, one of the two sar, um, to mention him to, to Parla. Why wasn't that Hishtadlus, right? Yeah. Right. So the Chazon Ish asked this question. Why was Yosef punished for that? that, that apparently, that's Ishtadlus. You're in jail. Someone's getting out. Yeah. Mention me to Paro, like, you know, please. So he says this, that the, was it the Sar Ha'ofim? Yeah, the Sar, Sar Hamashkin. It was Sar Hamashkin, the one who was still alive. Um, he said to him, remember, remember me to Paro. He said, the Sar Hamashkin was such a despicable human being. And he, he despised Yosef for being a Hebrew. And Yosef understood that. So that was not an act of hishtadlus. He says that was an act of desperation. 
He says, and an act of desperation is not considered for Yosef HaTzadik to be Hishtadlus. It was so remote that that despicable human being would possibly mention him to Paro that you could no longer call that effort and therefore Yosef was punished for it. That's, that's a Chazanish's uh, terrorist to that. Sets up a it sets up an interesting premise because then it would mean that if you know you have a known enemy, you should not deal with him. Even, even if you've done something that's allowed this enemy to have a moment of kindness, in case this case he gave a prediction and it came true. Right. So you could say, see, what I said is true. So this man leaves, the wine steward leaves and can go out and, and if he had talked to Paro, the wine steward may tell Yosef, you owe me now. And maybe that's mm -hmm. what God is saying. I don't want you beholden to your enemies. I don't want that's you good to too. It, it didn't in any way give the Sar Hamashkim any zafus right. uh, for Yosef being taken out of prison. So that itself should not be dealing with the PLO right now. Right. <laughs> 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 and those are always difficult questions because you know for Yosef at Sadek that was an avera, but maybe it would not have been an avera for somebody else, not on, of that stature, to ask the Sar Hamashkim. Uh, for to be mentioned, yeah. it's relative to the greatness of the person. It, maybe it was a little bit that that person becomes the shliach, and asking this person to be a shliach. If you're stooping too low, right? Yeah. Stooping too low for that for for someone <coughs> like like Yosef Hatzadeh. Well, one one explanation of that is that the Yosef should have recognized that just the very. Uh, fact that the Sar was not going to end up being put to death himself was enough to prove that it was God's hand and he didn't need to say anything. <laughs> um, with, with Yaakov here, uh, as, as we say, he did everything in the, the realm of the physical mm -hmm. in order to protect himself. Yes. And, and here the physician is saying, it's an interesting thing that, that I don't look at the an answer to the fila as necessarily a, 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 a physical Yeshua. Uh, he's saying that, that uh, I mean, I would look at it, an answer to the fila as being uh, a nice too. Uh, I mean, not that I deny the power of the fila, but that it should be explicit and, and visible mm -hmm. and, and, and not not the uh, it's like it's like we look at things that happen in the world and we say well it happened because of this and there's this and this off chance here and here and here you know there's there's a chain of of coincidence and, and possibility that ends up with the result that we want but if you look at it that the like in the megillah that the whole chain of coincidence is the hand, hand of god right but to have, you know, I, I just mentioned it in my tefillah and it happened, that's like breaking the chain of possibility and jumping right to the end. But well, we, we can't assume that that's the case, but we, that's what we're trying for. Like a person is not supposed to say, God gave this to me because I asked for it. One, one is not supposed to say that. Because who knows, maybe Hashem had other reasons for giving it to us and that's presumptuous. But when we do daven, we, we are to believe that God may answer my fila and give me what I'm looking for. But Yaakov is saying that in itself is is my own effort. Right. It's an act of an act of human hishtadlus, not an act of nace. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Shikara.